The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. Wow, we have a great guest today who I believe is a true civil rights champion and great leader in Chicago, but let me tell you, she's known nationally. She is a dynamo. That's how I describe her. She's a fighter for all of us, and I would like to welcome to the show Karen Tamley. Hello. How are you, Karen? Great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it is our honor to have you on. So, Karen, many listeners, in case they're interested in the why, they're always interested in the why, how about if you begin by telling our listeners what made you decide to become an advocate for people with disabilities? And before she says that, I want to remind you, she's with Chicago's Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities. She's the commissioner. So go ahead, Karen. What made you do this? Sure. Well, um, I was born with my disability, and I've used a wheelchair all of my life. Um, I didn't necessarily plan to become a disability advocate or study disability issues in college, but I did go to the University of California, Berkeley, where I think a lot of your listeners know is um, one of the birthplaces of the disability rights movement. Um, But I didn't get involved in the movement until after college when I took an internship with a disability rights attorney in Washington, D.C., and he was the one that really got me going in the community, and I didn't anticipate staying there longer than the summer. Um, I ended up staying there two years, and he really exposed me to disability issues, the disability community, um, sent me to conferences and disability rights actions and all kinds of things that really exposed me to the fact that there was this large movement out there and some real issues facing our community. And so that's really how it started. And then from there, I went on to a number of jobs um, working as an advocate um, in the disability community in Denver and in Chicago. Wow. Well, you know what? Berkeley has a way of doing that to people, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. 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 Well, well, listen, as you know, and we've talked about this at dinner and, you know, in various conversations, many people with disabilities, I always tell them we need a paradigm shift because people with disabilities have to get their muchness back. Um, and that is a problem. You know, sometimes there's this problem of dependency. And I'm wondering... Uh, you grew up, you're very independent. What would you attribute to that, Karen? Um, my parents, definitely. Um, I think my parents raised me um, with high expectations. Um, I was 
um, included in a classroom at a fairly early age, although my early years I did go to a segregated school before, you know, federal education laws were passed. Um, but they raised me with very high expectations that I would go to college, that I would get a job, that I would basically do the same things that my non-disabled sister would do. And I think that had a very profound impact on me. And that's something that I talk a lot about, particularly with young people and the parents, is um, <clears throat> that they should never un underestimate the, the real impact that they have on their kid and the future of their kid to be independent. Um, my mom fought um, way back in the 70s when I was a kid to get curb cuts in our town. Um, she was a disability advocate before we knew that there were disability advocates out there. Um, and so that's who I really attribute my mom and my dad um, to the independence that I have today. Wow. You know what? That one thing you said is so important about the parent. You know, and any parents listening to this show right now, remember, there's always a child not only watching you but listening to you. Mm -hmm. And if you get into this, you can't do that and you can't do that or you're different and um, that whole pity model. I know you're being compassionate, but I always tell parents, someday you won't be there. Then what? Then what happens to that child? In addition, when they go look for employment, I've had parents, Karen, call me and want to go on the interview with, mm -hmm. with the person, and I tell them, absolutely not. Remember now, when they do gain employment, you know, they can't be asking other people to do everything for them or think they're going to be treated special because they have a disability. Right. If anything, they're going to have to fight for equality. And to right. be a fighter, you need to be independent. Right. So, you know. I agree, and it's that mindset that the parents can help their kids with around independence and making sure that they have access to the resources that they need to be independent and self-sufficient. Yes, and kudos to your, your mother. Thanks. I mean, you know, no one realizes how important that is and what a difference that makes. In addition, so many young people, you know, dealing with other issues, so having that spirit from the beginning is so very important. So, Karen, what do you think we can do? What can we do to try to instill that independence in our young people with disabilities? Um, you know, I think making sure that parents are part of that message is really important. Um, I think getting to the schools um, and really making sure that our schools are preparing our young people um, around meaningful transition and not just for a life after high school that, you know, involves non-rewarding work or staying at home, that there's real options for our young people. Um, I think all of those things are really, really critical at the young age is to start as early as possible working with young people about thinking about the future, about thinking about their plans, about having expectations. And that's really so much of the battle that, you know, we do expect our community and our young people to go to work or to go to college or vocational school or whatever after high school so that, you know, there is a life after high school. So that's I think really where it starts is with our youth. 
Yeah, I do too. And, you know, we have to encourage our youth. It says Yoshiko always reminds us is that we need future leadership, and we can't have future leadership without having those young people. And and how about there in Chicago? Do you have a lot of young people with disabilities involved in what you do at the office, Karen? Oh, absolutely. We have a huge percentage of kids with disabilities in our public school system, and our office is working a lot with um, our young people on um, employment readiness. So we do um, three things every year. We do a disability mentoring day, which is a day of career exploration for young people. We do it for about 150 young people with disabilities, high school aged, on getting them to think about careers and writing resumes and those soft skills like interviewing and um, meeting with employers and talking about what might interest them. And then in February, we place our students into companies and businesses um, that um, mirror their interests their career interests, and they do a day of job shadowing where they follow an employer around to learn what the workplace is like or what a particular job might entail and make connections with that, with that business. And then um, in the summer, and actually tomorrow morning we're doing our kickoff, um, we get young people with disabilities placed into the city's um, summer paid employment program. And we have 44 students with disabilities this summer that are going into paid, competitive, quality summer internships. Um, and this isn't menial work. This is substantive work in law firms, in medical um, companies, in transit agencies, in um, the aquarium. Um, really matching, again, those future career interests with a summer internship. So we are really trying to translate kind of that job readiness and, and work readiness into actually getting a job at the end of our process, which will, in the end, help them build their resume, will help give them that experience on the job, and also expose employers to employing people with disabilities, because for some, this may be their first um, opportunity that they've had to hire someone with a disability. Wow. And it's going to be in Chicago, right? Yes, yes. The kickoff. Correct. So we're doing our kickoff tomorrow morning, um, and we're having our employers and our parents and our students, and um, we're having a guest speaker who is deaf that's going to come and speak to our students, and then they're going off into their paid summer internships this summer. So, um, so yeah, it's really something that we want to start with mentoring and career exploration and at the end of the year end in a paid job. Yeah, I cannot stress to you how important Disability Mentoring Day is mm -hmm. because, number one, it shows high school students with disabilities or middle school, whatever it is, it shows them there are opportunities. Yeah. I do have a chance, and it isn't just one type of position. Look at people working in all these areas, people with disabilities. The second thing it does is it disarms people, the hiring managers that maybe have never thought of hiring a person with a disability. They meet that student. They see, wow, what a great opportunity. The other thing is if you're a business, it's your way of building a future employee, because if you mm -hmm. start them early on an internship and you have them every year and you keep in touch while they go through college, wow, 
what a right. great hire you have coming your way um, afterwards. Then if you're a company where you only require a technical degree or an associate's degree, you have the opportunity to get that person even sooner. And I would suggest that you go to www.aapd.com, that's aapd.com, if you are interested or want to participate in Disability Mentoring Day, which is the third Wednesday of every October. So with that, we're going to go to break, and then we'll be back with Karen Tamley, the commissioner at the Chicago Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You've got your family and you need to keep talking and you need to keep understanding and look into yourself, who you are, what kind of person you want to be. What would be the one most simple advice you would give to a healing agoraphobic? I don't know if it's a panic attack or whatever it is. It's happening very frequently. I don't have to be in any place where there's no air. It can happen even on the road. People get over things. You can't look back. You've got to look forward and learn something from your past. Join Dr. Raymond Hamden in the psychologist chair every Tuesday at 9 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. 
Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Welcome back to the show. Hey, if you just joined us, we're talking to Commissioner Karen Tamley from Chicago's Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities and nationally a true fighter for all people with disabilities working for quality of life. Um, Karen, how, you, how did you get involved with the Mayor's Office? And I wonder if you could take a few minutes so that everyone knows how Mayor Daly not only supported you but people with disabilities. Sure. Um, I was appointed to this position by Mayor Daly in 2005, and um, he was certainly a very outspoken advocate on behalf of people with disabilities. He was personally touched by disability in his family, and I think that's the reason that he was such a strong advocate. Um, under his leadership over the last 20 years, there's been significant progress in Chicago in a lot of different areas um, as it relates to accessibility and disability issues. Um, I was fortunate, very fortunate, um, um, to be reappointed to my position by our new mayor, Mayor Rahm Emanuel. So I'm really excited to work um, for his administration and for him, and I'm very confident he's going to be equally supportive of people with disabilities and our issues. Um, I think that, you know, there is a very strong support in the city of Chicago and um, city government of disability issues. Um, we have an office that's really, um, our goal is to represent the 600,000 people that live in our city and be the voice for that community and help work to make our city more accessible, more inclusive. Um, we do that through a number of programs and services. And um, I'm just very thankful to have had that support over the last few years because we've been able to make some really pretty significant um, advances for our community in, in, in Chicago. Wow. Well, I, I knew Mayor Daly had been an ongoing advocate for people with disabilities, and I'm sure that Rahm Emanuel will be the same way. But tell them how large that mayor's office is. Um, we're probably one of the larger mayor's office for people with disabilities in the country. We have about 30 staff, 33 staff. Um, we have, we, we provide a lot of different services. So we do direct services to people with disabilities. So we provide some employment services. We modify homes to be accessible. We provide grant funds to modify homes. We, um, uh, do a lot of information and referral. Um, we provide, um, through some delegate agencies, we provide some in-home um, basic housekeeping, homemaking services to people with disabilities who want to stay in their own home. Um, so that's our direct services, but we also do a lot of disability awareness and education. Last year we trained over 5,000 people on disability awareness and education, um, sensitivity, etiquette, appropriate terminology, things like that. Um, and then we work on policy and compliance issues. So we're really the office to make sure that we're compliant with federal and state accessibility laws. Um, we've, we're working on everything from our emergency planning to making sure our summer festivals are fully accessible um, to looking at all of our city programs and services to make sure we're compliant with the ADA. Um, and so we do a lot of work 
just to make sure that we are compliant. And we serve really as a resource for other city departments. So, um, you know, working with police and fire and Department of Aviation and the health clinics and the libraries and all of them really use our office as a resource to make sure that they are accessible and serving the needs of um, Chicago's residents with disabilities. So we serve a lot of different purposes. Um, you know, it may sound like I think it's a big staff for for comparatively to other offices, but we do a lot. We we serve a lot of people in a lot of different constituencies um, in in the city and making sure that the voices of our community are heard. Um, so, and and when you think about city government and a city as large as as Chicago. Um, you know, disability issues really touch every single thing that we do, um, you know, whether it's getting information, whether, like I said, it's going to a festival or doing business with the city or seeking health care or, you know, getting senior services or going to the library or getting going to the airport or having emergency personnel respond to your house. There's there's some disability-related angle to everything that we do, so it, it keeps us extremely busy and we work on a diversity of issues, which really keeps things interesting. You know what else? I think that it makes a statement of the commitment to the disability community when you see this large office, because there are many cities, you know, I know one of them, we really have one person in that office, um, and it, it's just so different, you know, to see this office with this large staff that you have. Mm -hmm. I really feel you can make an impact in employment, in housing, in so many different things when you have a large enough staff. You know, there's, it's impossible when you have one or two people to work on everything. It really right. Is. Yeah, because no, I I agree with you, Joyce, absolutely, um, because really we are also obligated to make sure that our cities are compliant um, under the ADA. Um, so that is very difficult to do with one person. There's no doubt about it. Um, but then you think of all the other issues that are coming at you all the time around, you know, issues that the city, things that the city does that impact our community that are important to be part of, and it is a big job. I think the other thing that really has been a statement, particularly to Mayor Daley, who set up the office, was the fact that he made my position a cabinet-level position. So I'm in the mayor's cabinet. I'm an appointed commissioner, and I don't think you see that enough in disability offices you know, in other cities where you are at the highest level and you're equals to every other city commissioner, I think that gives you the ability to get more done for your community. Yeah, it would be really great, Karen, if there would be a way to convene, you know, in some of the larger cities, the, the mayor's office, mm -hmm. and yeah. talk about that. Because as I said, how can you handle, oh, there's a big issue, certain buildings aren't accessible, or there's a big issue, uh, paratransit system. Or there's a big issue, you know, no matter what it is, right. you need a larger office. And I'll tell you something that we're doing in the county that I think is phenomenal. Um, we started this uh, issue. It's called Allegheny 365, meaning this is important year-round. Um, and I'm the co-chair on employment with Dr. Rory Cooper uh, on accessibility. And we have committee meetings, you know, ongoing at the county courthouse, and that's what we're doing. We're looking at all these issues, 
you know, how can we make a difference? And I even told them, you should try to do this, you know, in other cities because we're really involving CEOs, you know, and all these people. But once again, this is on a volunteer basis, and, you know, we won't be able to do what we could do if we were full-time employees. I mean, I know just from being on that Allegheny 365 how many different issues the disability community has brought up to us, such as what's being done for people with psychiatric disabilities. Mm -hmm. You know, what's being done? How can people vote who are, you know, in nursing homes or in facilities? And by the way, how do you get people with disabilities out of nursing homes? You know, how do you really move forward with this Olmstead Act? Um, What about education for students with disabilities? What about employment? What about housing? I mean, there's so many things. There's so many things. And that's why uh, in addition to are we compliant, just as you said, that um, even when we looked at different, you know, places in the public sector where possibly they're not accessible through the web. Right. So I, I just think it is outstanding, you know, th- this office that you have and what you're doing because I know it's not like that, you know, in other parts of the United States. Right, right. And I'm sure there are issues you're dealing with ongoing daily. So, yeah. So, so as a commissioner, you attend these cabinet meetings, and then do you represent the disability uh, community? Do you talk about the issues, the major issues? What do you do at those meetings? Um, well, when there's opportunity to do presentations, I have done in the past presentations on um, a variety of issues like our ADA compliance plan, planning um, or accessible technology and what that means for people with disabilities and the ways that we need the different departments to really pay attention to issues of um, technology accessibility. So um, depending on the format of the meeting, when there is opportunity, I've certainly taken advantage of that to use it as a way to brief um, um, cabinet members on the issues that affect our our community, but throughout the year, and I'm constantly meeting with them on a variety of initiatives that we're working on, um, you know, with the different cabinet members, whether it's working with police or public transit or housing or um, emergency uh, management officials, you know, there's that ongoing um, working together to make sure that we're being responsive to the needs of people with disabilities. And um, how embracing is that cabinet with your office? Um, very well, and in fact, um, many, many people use us as a resource that, you know, they have a situation where they have someone with a disability that they're serving or um, that's come into their offices for service or their libraries or that they're responding to um, with you know, the police department and they want our advice and guidance on how to address it or how to develop a policy to address the issue or prevent something from happening. So we're really kind of not just pushing forth with the things that we think that are important to the community, but also being a resource for departments on how they can better serve um, individuals that, that, that come to them. So it's definitely a two-way street, and I think we have a very good relationship with other city departments. 
That's good. Now, have other city departments come to you and try to figure out how to model what you're doing where, where they are? Um, well, actually, you had mentioned the convening of the other offices around the country, and actually I have started convening um, a number of the other um, big city offices and looking at ways that we can share information amongst each other. Um, and that's kind of one way that we're starting to look at this, like how are different cities dealing with issues of, you know, accessibility to parks or paratransit issues or um, policies around service animals or different things like that. So we're kind of, we set up this informal network where we're doing um, some calls, uh, conference calling to try to share information about what's going on in each other's cities and ways that we could share resources or, you know, replicate initiatives or take lessons from each other. Um, so definitely that's something that we're working on. But the other thing that I'm seeing on the flip side is, you know, with, with budget cuts, particularly at the, at the state and local levels, is, you know, disability offices um, being either eliminated or significantly cut back. And that's another thing that I've been seeing that's, that's very concerning um, to me. So it's something that I think is an important issue that needs to be that really needs to be kept on the radar screen. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and, and as I said, the more you hear about something, the more that it makes a difference. Uh, one other thing, Karen, the media, do they frequently get in touch with you? Or are you included in the media? Um, yes, I frequently do um, interviews um, about what our office is doing or when we have initiatives that we want to announce, we do specific targeted outreach to the media and press releases um, on the launch of our new initiatives. Um, for example, last July we launched a, a voluntary registry where people with disabilities can identify online any needs that they might have for a first responder when they respond to their house about what they might need. And we did a big public education um, awareness about it um, with local media and the Chicago um, cable network and, you know, kind of other sources. So whenever we have some kind of new initiative or it's the ADA anniversary or something of that nature, um, we definitely, you know, reach out to try to get the word out about what we're doing. And are you involved in that parade, the Disability, <clears throat> the disability Pride Parade? Every yeah. year we're there. Uh, our office marches. We're um, usually a sponsor of the parade and and uh, speaker, and so we're very involved in in the Disability Pride Parade. When is that? Um, July. Um, I would have to get to the exact date, um, but it is in July this year. And um, isn't it isn't it around the? Is it right before the ADA? Um, yeah, this year it's going to be July 23rd, Saturday, July 23rd. Saturday, July 23rd. I know. I've been in it. Yeah, I've been at great. that parade. Yes, it's that great. is an awesome, that is awesome. It really is. Well, listen, we have a lot of other things we're going to talk about, but we're going to get ready to go to break. We are talking to Commissioner Karen Tamley from the Chicago Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back with Karen.
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S. and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com why is talk of sex so taboo we're always so worried about what others may think of us and not talking about sex can actually affect our relationships negatively learn how to discuss sexual topics openly when you join licensed marriage and family therapist moshumi ghosh for mo knows sex and love this will be an open forum where you can talk about all kinds of matters with relation to sex and love Put the shame of past worries and thoughts behind you and tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. We have as our guest today Commissioner Karen Tamley from Chicago Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities talking about the great work she is doing, not just locally, but nationally. And we are so excited to have her on the show. Karen, uh, your mayor's office, do you work very much with the private sector? Uh, and if you do, how supportive have they been? Um, the main way that we work with the private sector, I would say two ways. One is on our youth employment program. So we certainly work with um, businesses and employers on um, getting them to hire uh, young people with disabilities for our summer internship program. Um, we have a number of private sector employers that are also very engaged in Disability Mentoring Day who have either um, supported 
supported us by doing workshops for the young people or donating product to them like book bags and notepads and food for the event um, or simply um, financially supporting the program. So we do have a lot of engagement there um, on our youth employment from the private sector. And then the other way probably is that just through our accessibility compliance work, and we're working a lot with businesses on um, compliance issues and making sure that um, um, they are compliant. Often businesses or companies will call us and have questions about what does the um, the code require because we have a we have a local accessibility code that enables us to make sure that um, we can enforce that code and we do permitting on accessibility. So we do get a lot of contacts from the private sector about you know what do they need to do to make their business accessible. So those are the two main ways, and I would say overall we do have support from them. Wow. Well, that that is wonderful, and hopefully you can keep increasing that as you go along. Well, Karen, everyone has goals. Everyone wants to be known for something. Uh, you, what do you hope to achieve over the next several years at the mayor's office? Um, I hope to just continue to build on the successes that we've had since I've been there in terms of making Chicago a, a fully accessible, welcoming city for people with disabilities. Um, you know, part of our goal has really been to make Chicago the most accessible city in the country. Um, I think there's a lot more we can, we've done a lot, but I'm never going to say that we're done. Um, there's certainly a lot more to go. And when I talk about accessibility, I mean that in the broadest sense of the word. So not just physical access, but communication access and, and just you know, the mindset of inclusion and acceptance of people with disabilities. Um, I think that there's a lot more work to be done in the area of, you know, infrastructure and education, um, in um, technology. I'd like to see us um, move more because that's really how we're doing business now is over the web and online. And we have to put not just the city but, um, you know, all of us, uh, a real emphasis on making sure that people with disabilities have equal access to technology and the information and services that are provided via technology. Um, so, you know, and I also want to really further a lot of our compliance and, and look at ways that we can strengthen compliance um, um, at the local level and make sure that we have the strongest code um, possible that's the most updated, clear, and concise code um, that that will make our city accessible. So um, I have a lot of plans, <laughs> and um, certainly, again, it's really kind of taking it to the next level and really building on what we've done um, um, in the past and, and bringing more attention to some of the real, real big issues like education, employment, um, things that we all know in our community really, really need to be addressed. Well, that, well what a great goal that is. Well, Karen, you know, there's something that we talked about at dinner that I wanted to spend a little time talking about, and that is bullying. As you well know, young people with disabilities are bullied like no other group, only close is the gay community. Mm -hmm. um, and first of all, why do you think that's happening? And in addition... For any young person with a disability listening to the show, what advice do you have for them? Um, I would say that if you're a young person with a disability who's experiencing bullying, um, you know, telling somebody, talking 
talking to somebody, talking to your teacher, talking to your parent, talking to an administrator, someone that you feel comfortable going to um, is really important to address the problem. Um, I know that might be scary um, for a lot of people, um, but I, I think it's really important that we bring attention to this. Um, the timing of this question is great because this afternoon I'm doing a, a listening session with young people with disabilities here in Chicago on the issue of bullying with our public schools. And, um, you know, we're going to really hear the stories that young people are experiencing because I agree this is a, this is a big issue. Um, you know, and I think as schools we have to really, you know, understand that kids with disabilities are a major segment of you know, the student population that experiences bullying, and we need to do something to address that. Um, so I think for kids, it's, it's, you don't have to take this. You know, you really, 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 it's important to talk to somebody about it, even if it's a friend. Um, someone's got to know that this is what you're experiencing so something can be done about it. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think this is so prevalent, Karen? Um, you know, it's really hard to say. I think, I think, you know, it's hard to be a young person in school. I think kids can be mean. Kids can be uncomfortable with difference when they see difference. Um, and bullying may be the way that they're dealing with that. I'm not saying that's acceptable at all. Um, but from what I know, that's, you know, some of the things that I think the issues could stem from. And I think the other flip side of bullying is social isolation that young people with disabilities face. They might not be taunted or teased or called names, but they might be eating lunch by themselves every day in the lunchroom or not invited to birthday parties or to be part of the group. And I think that's equally as painful to young people, and that, too, needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would ask you to heed what Karen said. If you are being bullied at school, don't be quiet. If you can't tell your teacher, tell the principal. If you can't tell the principal, tell your guidance counselor. If you can't tell your guidance counselor, and, of course, you should tell your parents, if you've run out of ideas, go to your rabbi, your pastor, I don't care who it is, coach of uh, one of the athletic departments, but do not keep it a secret. Do not. And also remember, your life is more important than any one thing. This will pass. What they're doing will pass. But we need you. We need you to help other young people facing bullying. That's why I suggest you go to the Bender Lead On page on Facebook. Uh, we're going to go to break before we end the show with Commissioner Karen Tamley from the Mayor's Office in Chicago for People with Disabilities. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back with Commissioner Tamley.
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What does the new health care law mean to you? Why is the country facing a deepening deficit? Can it be reversed? If education is important to fund, shouldn't we insist on seeing results? Do we have a workable energy policy? Who's calling the shots? Tune in to In the Public Interest with host Mike Hudson. We'll cover public policy, everything from taxes and spending to health care and other threatened entitlements. If it's in the public interest, it's in your interest to know. In the Public Interest can be heard live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. We are talking to Commissioner Karen Tamley, and hey, if you missed it and you want to hear what she said, you can always go to voiceamerica.com or benderconsult.com, and you can hear all the last shows over the past eight years. They are all archived. So if you know of someone that wants to hear this show, make sure you give them that information. And Karen, uh, we've been talking about bullying, and I really appreciate what you're doing in Chicago in reference to that because I do have young people with disabilities who have successfully committed suicide, which we call bully side, or have attempted suicide. So I just want everyone to know that when you are bullied or excluded from being in elementary school through when you graduate, 
You have no idea what this does. As a matter of fact, Karen, I had Mark on last week, and Mark has said, remember, bullying leads to disability because many young people end up with depression or end up with post-traumatic stress disorder. So I just want you to realize how serious this is. If you're a parent or if you're an educator, you have to ask questions and stay involved. Don't you agree with that, Karen? I totally agree with that, absolutely. It's really unacceptable, and we need to work harder to put a stop to this, absolutely. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I'm really only scratching the surface here in Chicago, and I'm hoping that we can come up with some ideas about what can be done better to address the issues that young people with disabilities are facing. but I, I agree with everything you said, that it's something that impacts not just your self-esteem and, you know, your self-confidence, but your ability to learn in school, um, your post-school outcomes. Um, it can affect your ability to get a job. Um, I think, you know, like you said, it can be a long-lasting impact. So the stakes are high and we need to address it. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, Karen, you are one person that has accomplished so much in your life already. But if you had to say what your greatest accomplishment is, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. That's a big question. Um, it's, It's hard to say. I mean, I guess I think that I feel like achieving, you know, what so many people want out of life and what's sometimes considered the American dream. I think, you know, I have have a great job. Um, I'm married. I've celebrated my 10th wedding anniversary this oh, year. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. And I have a daughter. I, my husband and I adopted a, a, a six-month-old girl um, who's now five and a half, um, and she has a disability too. And so being a mother and a wife and having a job and also having a disability, I mean, I think all of those things are, I think I've exceeded, you know, the, my expectations for myself. And, you know, I guess I would consider those my greatest accomplishments. Well, I think you are awesome, Karen. I think you are, and we all love you, and we all appreciate what you're doing for Americans with disabilities. So if you had to leave a message with our listeners today, what would it be? Um, For people with disabilities, I would just say that, you know, be proud of who you are, be okay with who you are. I think particularly when you're young and have a disability, sometimes it can be really, really hard, but, you know, we are a community. We are a powerful community. We're a growing community. We have civil rights. Um, And... You know, disability is part of diversity, and it's part of the human condition. And so I would just want to say feel good about yourself and who you are. That would be my message. Well, that is a great message. And we really appreciate Thank you so much for being on the show today, Karen. We really appreciate it. And we do end every show with a quote from a famous civil rights leader. So this month, since it is the month, that Justin passed away. We have to end with another quote from Justin. You have the power 
live the dream. And isn't that just what Karen was talking about? Karen, thank you again for being with us. Thank you so much for having me, Joyce, and what you're doing on your radio show is great, getting the well, word out. Thank that's you. right. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, this is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters every single day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.